Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, about structuring your practice session. We talk about a brand new mouthpiece that Sue's tried from Van Doren, The Profile. We talk about going into the recording studio and tips for a successful session, and Sue shares one of her favorite classical recordings of all time. And we also open the mailbag and answer some of your questions. And if you have a question for the podcast, please do reach out. You can email me directly, wally at gatecitysax.com. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word on the street, we Wally. Have to, we have to suffer for our art. We have to suffer. That's Even the point. Even if that means testing the, the sound levels. Yes, pickle pepper, pickle pepper. How's your summer going? It's June. Uh, it's getting to be late June, it's, isn't it? I like, know, it's, it's almost it's July. It's late June, almost July now. So, yeah, this month kind of zipped through and by, didn't it? And you just, it, oh, I know. I'm just getting used <sighs> to putting a six on my checks. I know. Yeah. Now you're going to have to do seven. Yeah. I and, know. Yeah. Well, for the for the American audience, where we put the month first for our European right. listeners, right? Yes, I think they do month second. Yeah, it'd be day month year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it makes a lot of sense actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I still want to put twenty <laughs> gallons of gas for my four liter engine. Right. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. Freedom measurements. <laughs> yeah. So you just got back from Maine. I did. So I zipped up to Maine real quickly this past weekend. Flew up too early on a Friday morning and flew home too early on a Sunday morning. So that means two out of three nights of very bad sleep. Oh man. No excuses. It was great. It was worth it. Yeah? Yeah, it was great. We had a little recital celebrating. Well, tell everyone where you were. You Fred were at Hemke, the... Uh, Fred Hemke Saxophone Institute. I think it's got a, a better name than High School Saxophone Institute. I yeah. don't know. Too many letters. But anyway, we did a, a concert up there at Snow Pond. Snow Pond, yeah. Center for the Arts um, celebrating Fred Hemke. So a Aww. bunch of his former students were there playing. Yeah. yeah. Here's some good great. performances. Of course. Yeah, it was great. Any any prominent sax other than yourself, of course. Any well, obviously, but you know, Bill Street was there. Jim Bishop, who was Hemke's assistant teacher for years and years and years and years, and okay. most notably when I was an undergrad, he oh, was okay. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who else was there? John Sampin, oh, bunch of people. Uh, Lois Hicks Wozniak. I'm going to forget some people and feel bad later. But anyway, a, a lot, lot of people, a lot of saxophone and, players oh, and some younger students, too, who had worked with with uh, Dr. Hemke at the Saxophone Institute there at Snow Pond, uh, played on the recital, too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What so did you play? Great. I played the third movement of the Poulenc Oboe Sonata, the Deplorazione. But how you played oboe? I don't understand. No, I need didn't. clarification. Soon. I played it on the soprano saxophone. Part of the reason I picked that piece was because I wanted to play something on soprano because I was flying, and it's easier to fly with a soprano saxophone <laughs> than an alto saxophone. Although it's yeah. not really that different, but also I just I think that's a gorgeous movement. And um, I had played it on a friend's uh, memorial service some oh. years back. So it just is really, it's very meaningful to me to play that. So I enjoyed that. And I should mention that the event was organized by Gail Levinsky. Okay. Who is the person who organizes the institute up Does there. She, she teaches saxophone in like... Susquehanna. Susquehanna. Susquehanna in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, she's got a really terrific I've program I've heard there. her play several times. Magnificent Yeah, yeah she's a great player. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, good. Well, welcome back. Thanks. And good you, to be home. And you came Ooh. back and there was something interesting in your mailbox. Yes. Van Dorn sent me their brand new... Hot off the presses? It's not really off the presses. Maybe off it's the, a hot, the, hot off hot the machine. Off the I don't know. Rubber milling machine. <laughs> there you yeah. go. It's a new mouthpiece, and they sent me a soprano and alto. Uh huh. And it's the AP or SP, AP3 or SP3, depending on if it's soprano or alto. So the profile. 
Mm-hmm. Brand new mouthpiece. And I think in large part it's an answer to the new and rising popularity of the concept mouthpiece. Right. So it's a lot like that. It feels a lot like that to play. And, and it's it a even fantastic. looks a little like the Selmer concept. It kind of does. Yeah. So um, we, let's do an unboxing video here. Yes. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't understand this. I'm old, so I don't understand unboxing. I don't understand why right. people... <laughs> That's know, a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. No, everyone, okay. on, on if you do unboxing on YouTube, okay. people, younger people like watching pe- videos of people opening, opening boxes. Opening the box. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've, I'm not that bright, but I've, I have learned how to open boxes, <laughs> so I don't find it that useful. But, well, it was kind of exciting. You know, I got the box, and yeah. it's this cute little box that says Danzer on Van Doren all over it, and you open that box and you pull out the stuffing and then you pull out this box that's got the mouthpiece in it and you it have is to nice take packaging. it and open it and then yeah. get the mouthpiece. Woo-hoo. It's got a nice graphic on the front. Yeah, and I do really like nice. this. It looks beautiful. So at a glance here, and Sue's going to tell us how it plays, it does kind of look a little like the uh, the concept. Yeah. Um, the beak. Is that, that what shape? you call it? The beak? I think so, the yeah. The beak is thinner like the concept. Yeah. And compared to uh, the, I'm holding it up to my AL3, it looks very similar width, length overall but the beak is definitely thinner. Yeah. Chamber is round, and it looks very similar size to the AL3. But yeah, how did- so it's a lot, in, in a lot of ways, it takes the best things of the Optimum line, which is that great response. Yeah. I mean, great response in the entire range. And there's a really great consistency of sound throughout the entire range, just like the Optimum. What I found to be different is that it's a little brighter because there are people out there who think that the Optimum isn't bright enough. It's sure. too dark, and they feel like it restricts the volume. Personally, I like that because I don't think, as saxophonists, we need to play that loud, especially for classical music. How often have you really been told to play louder? Let me put a pin in that <laughs> thought while you do, and then I'll tell you why maybe this yeah. certain circumstances where I would really understand a previous era in my life where I would have appreciated that. Totally. But, okay, so yeah, a no, bit brighter. Totally. But it's a little brighter. You know, and I played on a C-star for decades, so you know, it sort of brings me back a little bit to that brighter sound. And... Yeah, maybe a little bit more flexibility in the in the colors you can get. So if you like the optimum, but you feel like ah, I just want a little bit more sound or a little more edge, just a little brightness, give it a try. You right. still have that great core sound, so it's not like it's thin or whiny or right. anything like that. I didn't find it to be that at all. Have you spent much time on the summer concept? No, not very much. So, I have some students who play on that, and yeah. I tr- tried it out a little bit. It seems similar. Similar? Okay. Yeah. And, and that is becoming fairly popular. Yeah, a lot of people are playing on that. It's a good mouthpiece. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it as well. So um, let me get to the nerd specs Okay, here. you do the nerd specs are like, there, yeah, I hear you're using words. I want measurements. That's why I brought okay. you the spec sheets, because I know you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> I Well, I know we have listeners that are. There's someone right now who's... Um, Pushing their glasses up their nose and getting well, their pencil out. So it's th- important to know because that helps. If you're if you're into that kind of thing and knowledgeable, it helps you to understand what yeah. the mouthpiece is doing. I, I have no problem nerding out. I know some people. Oh man, I just no, play do it. what plays. Do it. And usually Nerd the, out. the people that say that, like, <laughs> I hear you, Bill, but you have terrible tone. Maybe you should. <laughs> Wouldn't kill you to learn a tip opening and match it to a, a read. <laughs> oh um, well, there's that. Yeah. So the AL3, <laughs> the ubiquitous AL3 that it, uh, so many people know and love, is a 152 tip opening. The S or the AP3, this new one is 158, slightly more open. Yes. Um, but not quite as big as the AL4. Uh, the facing length is medium long, uh, which is the same as the AL3. So it does look very similar. Yeah. On the spec sheet, they write about it an instinctive extension of the air column with a natural fluidity between all <laughs> registers and an infinite palette 
of colors. I love it. Now, they need to. <laughs> uh, so, Van Doren, if you're listening, give your copy editor guy a raise because that's <laughs> right. good ad copy right there. I, I frankly want to hit pause in the podcast and play this thing now. Um, so do it. You said it felt, you, certainly you, you said it felt a little brighter. Yep. Um, which, in some circles, they would use the word colorful. You know, sure. It is a more sure. of color. Yes. Um, did you find it louder? Yes. Okay. And that's where I could see, and I might be interested to try that, but way back a million years ago, I was um, <laughs> in the army band. Huh? Uh, I wore camouflage ah. most days of the week, and it was great. You played in March, great paycheck, great health insurance. It was great. Fantastic. Lots of practice time. Did you get a free saxophone? Yeah, well, you don't get to keep it. Oh, but okay. You get but for use. Un- unlimited use of, <gasps> and, and when I got to my um, my band, my supply guy was like, all right, what saxophone do you want? And I was, that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. I don't Can't know. Can't argue with that. Yeah. And like, you know, all, you know, they, you get a free reads and stuff like that. It's a great deal. Great, yeah. Um, there was, there was morning exercise, which I didn't care for. But that's much. good for you, Wally. I, so they say. I won't do it if you don't make me. So you know, that but, would be good for but me. But if you look at runners, they're always getting like tendonitis. It's and, true. You know, so. <laughs> Heart attacks. Yeah. I'm I know. sorry to the runners out there. Yeah. So, Keep running. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But anyway, so um, I got to play concerto with the band a couple of times. And uh, then more even than that, I got invited to play concertos with local high school bands oh, and here's where I'm thinking and so at the time the AL3 was fairly new and I was starting to switch over and I'm like oh what a beautiful and I was just amazed by the the homogenous sound yeah. top to bottom in it was so consistent the articulation was so easy the low end response was so easy yeah. I always felt the altissimo was not as easy Easy as like the square chambered C star S90, right. but I didn't care. It was doable it, for you could do it absolutely yeah. with just a little of adjustment. And it's such a big fat sound. It but yeah, but <laughs> I got in front of that high school band, the Miami band that was not quiet um, out in the desert of Arizona. But then I got next to a good high school band, and these were not bad bands. I'm not no, insulting no, them. No, not at all. But they're big. Um, Buena Vista High. I'm not insulting you. Uh, but yeah, they, it was just loud, and I was trying the AL3 at the time, and I thought like I can't hear myself. Right, they which means can't hear me. nobody else can hear you. So yes, uh, I went back to the S eighty one eighty for the, to there play the the reduction of the John Williams uh, yeah. escapades. Gotcha. And um, and for me, for playing with high school bands, the AL three was a bit of a challenge. Gotcha. But totally. that's not something everyone's doing all the time. Right. Yeah. I have done that pretty recently, and it's true that a little louder or edgier or brighter, whatever you want to call it, mouthpiece would have been helpful right. instead of busting my gut literally to blow over the bands. I know. <laughs> so I could, I definitely understand <laughs> seeing a market for this. Absolutely. So, well, and it's just a, it's just a fantastic mouthpiece. The response is incredible. Okay. I mean, boom, the whole range is just like, you yeah. know, it's just great. They're making good mouthpieces. These well, days. yeah. And they're really consistent because they sent me, they only sent me one soprano and it was great. Mm-hmm. They sent me two altos and I couldn't tell the difference between the two mouthpieces. I love that. So that's wonderful. That's, I mean, order two if you're going to try. Yeah, and, and that's just, the machine you know. milling. They're milling yeah, it out of hard rubber. So it's very accurate. consistent. Yeah. And yeah. there is no, um, I don't see any serial number. Right. Which is fine because I don't see the point when it's not yeah. like hand faced by Richard Dawkins or, right. or whatever. <laughs> I was about to say Stephen Hawking, but I don't think he's. Well, yeah. <laughs> that that I'd want a serial now, number and a signature. That would be cool. That right? would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, yeah, let us. Uh, you'll be trying it more in the coming days. I'm going to give yeah, it a blow. I, and, I'm, um, yeah, I'm keeping it next to my case. And yeah, I brought you one to try. So, awesome. next time you can, you know, say, oh my God, Sue, this is the greatest mouthpiece ever. I can't believe you're not switching to it. Can I have this? Yeah. <laughs> 
Or maybe you'll say, no, this stinks. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I doubt it. But anyway, this is exciting. And um, yeah. I will take a, a picture. It's what not every day put a, a, put a, a picture in the show notes? Do it. Okay, because yeah. it is cool looking. It's not every day a major company comes out with a new mouthpiece. We've got to try it. It's a big it, deal. It's a testament to how boring my life is when you said, well, I got something in the mail. I was like, yes. I know. And doing the happy dance. Oh, we weren't supposed to be excited about that? I, I think so. Yeah. Anyone listening excited. to this podcast is. And to clarify, we are talking about this is a classical concert oh, yeah. mouthpiece. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. You could play jazz. You could play jazz on it. You know, you if shouldn't. you're in like a combo setting, but in a big band setting, uh, forget you, it. Even then, you get your yeah. lunch money taken. In the, wor- in, the, in the immortal words <laughs> of too. Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, nah. we're so busy asking if we can, we don't stop to ask if we should. No, yeah. there's all kinds. <laughs> That's great. There's all kinds of other mouthpieces for yeah. jazz. So, you know, have have a couple different mouthpieces. Oh my mouthpieces. gosh, there's a lot. But it's important that the mouthpieces, I think anyway, when I switch from, from a classical and jazz back and forth, which I don't do as often as I probably should, but anyway, I like it if they feel similar in the mouth. Yeah. No, I least. agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're going to move into the studio. Okay. Now into the into the, the practice the shed. You know the jazz kids. Into the shed. The jazz, Did you say that? Those kooky jazz kids with their fedoras and their mid-century <laughs> Harlem lingo. The shed. Shedding. We're gonna shed. And you wanted to talk about this week, and I love oh, this topic. Yeah, I think we could probably talk about this many times, but yeah. practicing how to practice. Like the correct way to practice. Well, yeah, because you know I'm constantly reminded that we don't talk about this enough with our students. Mm-hmm. A student will come in and they're like, oh, nobody ever told me I should do that. And you're like, I didn't tell you you should do that when you're practicing? Are you sure? Because yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that they don't know it. But, you know, like a basic practice routine, you know, can be a very personal thing and you can make your right. own. So if there's something, you know, that you like to do in your routine, the order that you like to do things in or certain exercises that you really think benefit you personally. Well, for goodness sakes, do them. Sure. But, you know, if you're looking for s- some advice from somebody about what to do, maybe just look to what, what we do. So I can tell you what, what I do and what I recommend. I want to hear that. Well, when I, when I put the saxophone together, if I need to do Wait, mouth- is that step one? Yeah, All you right. should take it out. Is that before or after together. the crying? But don't put the mouthpiece on yet, unless, oh. unless you want to. So the thing is, if you're working on trying to make sure you're blowing the right pitch on your mouthpiece, right. the quote-unquote right, because there's a little debate about that, but generally speaking, on an alto sax, on the mouthpiece, you want to blow about an A. Yeah. Is this all come back to Santee Runyon? I don't know. <laughs> okay, legend has it, because you brought a mouthpiece pitch. That uh, there's a thinking that if you blow A440 on the alto mouthpiece, the rest of the horn should be relatively in tune. That's and, the theory. And uh, decent response. And from what I have heard, this is legend. This is, now we're talking about like old crusty gold miners in uh. Utah. Back in the day, Santee Runyon <laughs> took a mouthpiece, chopped it in half, put a speaker in there, played a sign tone through the saxophone. Oh, my gosh. When that Are you sign tone me? was tuned to A440, the heavens opened up and gold nuggets rained out. You well, know, there you have it. That's yeah. why you do it then. I think. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that's about that gets me the about the right amount of lip pressure and about the right kind yeah. of throw tongue position that feels similar to how I play the whole instrument. I mean, it's hard to get it to feel exactly like playing on the whole instrument because you're playing a duck call on a mouthpiece. It sounds yeah. terrible. <laughs> I prefer to call it duck song. Duck song. Duck okay, song. well, we'll go with that. So if you're needing to do that, I don't need to do that, so I don't bother with that. I just put the <laughs> mouthpiece on because I have Well, I'm so glad I went that. to Santee Runyon. <laughs> no, but I have done that in the past, and yeah. so it's pretty consistent. Every once in a while, I'll double-check just to make sure I haven't crept into some other pitch. 
And then the first thing I'm going to do is I actually start with some air attacks in sort of middle-ish range, just again, just to make sure that I'm blowing correctly. Because if I can do a nice air attack with it not taking, you know, two seconds for the sound to appear, usually that means I'm blowing properly. I don't obsess about this for five or ten minutes or anything like that. Just a few tones, get things going. And then I do a few initial attacks. And then I have my little finger exercises things I do. Right. Which is just a D, just making sure my hand position is good. You can skip that if you don't need to do it, or you can do it if you like to do it. I do some long tones, usually without vibrato first, because I just got to make sure the sound is okay. Right. And I feel like the older I get, the more I can't skip the long tones. I used to feel like I could skip them. Either that or I notice more how bad I sound if I skip them. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. But you don't have to do them. Well, okay, if your teacher tells you to do a half hour of long tones, please do what your teacher says. But I don't feel like I have to do that. And I also, I get bored quickly. So, you know, there's that going on. (laughs) But do a few long tones and then do some long tones with vibrato. Maybe play A scale and whole notes and play with vibrato. Use the metronome if you're needing to do that. Don't use it if you feel like you'd rather just listen, but do double check your speed once in a while. Make sure sure you can do it consistently at like 76, 80, something like that. Um, And then I dive into my scales. Now, these days, I don't spend a lot of time on scales. When I was a student, oh my gosh, I would spend probably close to 45 minutes or an hour on scales. Right. Making sure that you're playing, here's the key, playing them cleanly. And accurately, don't just play them really fast. And, uh, well, okay, I, th- I thought you enough. just you get through them and then they fix themselves in your sleep. Is that yeah. no, is that not what happens? Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> no. The human body, while you're sleeping, repairs, regenerates. I thought it did that with our scales. I think it repeats, Wally. So oh. if you did sloppy scales, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have to not play your scales faster than you can play them beautifully, cleanly, and accurately. So I had a student come into the studio recently, put the metronome on at 138. He was super proud that he had gotten them to 138, but they were very glissy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had to go back to the drawing board, to the shed. The shed. <laughs> and work them out. Yeah. yeah. So however you're doing your scales, if you're you know just a beginner, you might not be doing them with metronome yet. If you're a little more advanced, you might be doing them what we call full range. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be doing them with, with the metronome and trying to get faster. Don't go faster than you can play cleanly. Use the rhythms, da-da-da-da-da-da, and all those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, we talked in a previous episode, we talked about the, the, the rhythmic hacking. Yeah. Practice you, hacks is oh the episode. Oh, my God, you have to do the practice hacks. I think it's number s- episode six, if You I'm have to do those. Yeah. yeah. And this is a time also where I have a little segment in my practice where I work on stuff stuff that I'm working on, tricks. So if you're working on slap tongues, maybe spend five, ten minutes on slap tongue. If you're working on circular breathing, work on that. If you're working on initial attacks, making them so they're not... Uh, or yeah. blah, or any of that stuff, yeah, all that kind of stuff. That's a good time to just focus on that before you're too tired and your brain yeah. is dead. Yeah, anything like that. And then if you do etudes, if you're a student, then you would dive into your etudes. Don't play them sloppily, and then you would go to repertoire. And here's where I think I have always fallen down in my practice. That then after that, I wanted always to work on learning a jazz tune, learning the changes, working on improv. But by the time I get there, I'm done. Right. So if you're doing jazz and classical, you might want to switch the jazz earlier every other day or something. Otherwise, you'll do like me and just not get to it. Yes. Mm. I've driven myself crazy trying to straddle both worlds. 
and so it's hard. and it's hard. And um, yeah, I had to uh, give up a lot of things in life to make this uh, go at it. Mostly my sanity and my self esteem. But one thing I found is exactly like you're talking about. If I did a full practice session and thought like, okay, now it's time to transcribe. So now I'll put on that that live recording of Lee Konitz where he's with Jerry <laughs> Mulligan, and it's burning and it's great and it's called burning. That's a burning. that's a slang term from the cool jazz cats oh, yeah. with their fedoras in their nineteen. Yeah, I know what it mid-century, means. Mid-century, well. Their mid century Harlem <laughs> slang. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I would find like soul. I would get be at the end of the session like oh, I'm done. I'm out. I gotta you You're know done. the garbage has to be taken out. Yep. I got bills to pay. But you mostly know. your brain is done. Your brain is it done, and I'm like, I've got to do something energy. else. So I actually, and I'm experimenting with this, and there will be people who are going to like fall out of their chairs, hopefully not their car seats listening. <laughs> the first thing I do when I practice some days is transcribe. And here's oh, what's interesting. Fabulous. I think like, oh, I have to do my long tones, my scales, my technique, my this first. What I do is, um, especially if I've been doing a lot of classical stuff, I need to switch. I will put on that recording of, of a transcription I'm working on and I'm already fairly familiar with. So I'm doing Bud Shank Misty right now. I'll put on the Bud Shank and I'll start transcribing immediately, playing along with the recording. Yeah. And something fascinating happens. You start matching that feel, that tone. And if you really are paying attention, even the posture and the kind of oh, the body language and the body positioning and the body state that it takes to get that sound and that swing feel. And it kind of is an interesting way to, instead of getting warmed up and getting 20, 30 minutes to get into the zone of playing the saxophone, I find it's almost like immediately. If I've transcribed it, and also I love transcribing things where there's video. You can watch the posture, the feel, oh, the breathing yeah. of the player. I find it gets me into the sound aesthetic and into that mindset much more quickly. It is not that dissimilar to what pro athletes do. If you notice a baseball player, a professional pitcher of the mound who works for countless hours with psychologists. Yeah. Actually, they do anchoring techniques where they kind of, you'll notice they'll look, they're thinking something, you have no idea what, because you've paid that psychologist <laughs> thousands of dollars. They'll maybe scratch the dirt with their leg three times, touch their hat, and then throw. And they're anchoring. They're doing right. the same movements over and over to get themselves into that state. And yeah. I find a couple of transcriptions, if I throw on that Bud, Bud Shank or that Lee Konitz and I play along, it kind of anchors me into the state with my breath, my tone, my posture, yeah. my breathing. Yeah. And then go into my practice session. But that makes a lot of sense if you're doing transcribing yeah. or something like that because it's fun too. So you mm -hmm. start with something that's just and kind of fun and not, not kind of drudgery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if I were a very beginning player and didn't have like a set embouchure or was still right. iffy, that wouldn't be a good idea. But for the more experienced players, I'm experimenting with just starting with transcription and I yeah. found it has done wonders. Yeah, and it kind that of sounds goes, fun. That yeah. cool philosophy of, have you ever heard of the philosophy of um, productivity? as coined by Brian Tracy, mm. uh, Eat That Frog is a book. Eat That Frog. And here's the thinking. If you have a whole bunch to do in one day, and one of those tasks is to eat a live frog, <laughs> it does not behoove you to wait. Because <laughs> the frog isn't going to get any better looking, and it's not going to get easier to eat. So oh, if you had to eat a frog, so whatever that thing is that you're kind of dreading in your practice, that yeah. thing you don't want to look forward to, start with it. Get yeah. it out of the way, and then yeah. everything else feels fun and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not advocating actually eating a frog. No. <laughs> well, that that probably yeah is some evidence for also doing getting those scales done. Right. Because you won't do them if you wait because it's not fun. And just know that you're not going to have to spend 45 minutes on scales every day all your life. For a while you might, right. but and also if it if it's making you hate practicing, skip it sometimes. Don't tell your teacher I said that. Yeah. But let's I try to make it fun. There's some days when I'm like, okay, I'll play, you know, A major scale, A minor scale, move on to my my repertoire. Cause one, I don't have time. And two, I don't feel like doing scales. They take a lot of time and energy they and they, they your chops and your brain, you know. Yeah. And also I have 
spent a lot of hours on scales back in the day. So. Well, I remember back in the day, I would try to get through like every variation of scale uh, tuning. Oh my, my gosh, majors, my minors, right? my harmonic minors, my melodic yes, minors, my thirds, uh, octatonics, and, yeah. my, yeah, yeah. And then now I will trade days and I only do. Yes. I highly recommend yeah. that. Keep a list. Don't try to do all 12 of everything every day. Oh geez. That's a good way yeah, to be burned out. Just make a chart and, and say, day, this is day one. Okay. The next day I didn't manage to practice. So the next day is day two. And right. you know, I, I switch major something. minor days. Oh, that's a really good um, idea. Why not? And yeah. here's the other thing. I, having learned what a melodic minor scale is and having played it and having learned and knowing what a natural minor is, I don't feel the need to practice those anymore as such. Yeah. But, you know, the students have to learn what it is. But once you've practiced a natural minor, you're practicing it when you practice your... Your majors. Your majors. It's the same scale. Yeah. yeah you and just I just on a different note. Yeah. I don't know about you, but learning melodic minors, especially the amount of time it takes to, to do the turnaround in the, in the high Oof. end and the low end, it's just yeah. a nightmare. It is. And yeah. so like once you've learned it, like good. Here's your badge of honor now. Yeah, move on. So, so I just yeah. do harmonic minors and um and majors and I switch days. What do you think about the idea of like alternating uh jazz and classical days? <sighs> I guess it depends on if you're a student studying classical, you might not get enough days on right. classical and vice versa with jazz. Yeah, I when I have to do both, I like to do a classical warm up. Yeah. I never find my jazz playing suffers if I use my classical mouthpiece first. Right. Vice versa, not so much. So yeah, I'll put on that is I'll put on my AL3 and I'll do my I always start with exercise zero, uh, which you can find at gatecitysax.com under the resources. Yay. I start with that and then I go into my I don't do long tones anymore. Yeah. I do overtone scales. Well, the thing about long tones is they are actually the same blowing if you're blowing right on your scales, mm -hmm. if you're not tonguing. Yeah, and so, if you've improved yeah. your tone through long tones, it's because you made a change to your oral cavity. Yeah. Which I enforced through uh, overtone yeah. matching. There you go. Um, but then I, I will do, even on my jazzies, I will do a classical warm-up, 15 minutes, and then I'll switch. Got it. And then I'll go into transcription immediately. That's so fun. You yeah. get that hard work done first. Yeah. I don't know if I can call it work. It's all hard work. It's, it feels well, like it's work. it's all fun, too. Yeah. When, when my wife gets home from work, I'm using quotation marks, you yeah. know, we'll say, like, oh, so, someone needs to take out the trash. She's like, you've been playing music you've been playing yeah, you they call it it. playing for music well yeah. yeah there's some truth to that <laughs> yeah I'm curious does anyone have an unorthodox or any teachers out there we actually have a lot of esteemed teachers oh I'll bet listening. yeah oh, I would gosh. love to know what your practice routine is especially if it's something Same. out of the ordinary so, yeah. so email us or message us on social media because I'm really curious yeah that's part of the great thing about doing this is we get to learn from our audience too because there's a yeah, lot yeah. of people out there with a lot of great ideas uh, yeah <laughs> yeah really so <laughs> someone's shaking their head like you guys have it all wrong. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. that's fine. Let us know. Yeah. So let us know what yours is. Email us. That'd now, be awesome. Yeah. Your your plane went down over the ocean. Hypothetical. Right. But you're okay. It yes. was on autopilot. So no one got hurt. Right. But you're alone. Right. On a desert island. Right. With a disc man. Oh, jeez. In that's a CD. So unlikely. But anyway. And you can only bring <laughs> one classical or a small collection Ooh. of classical recordings. And this week, you are going to go down on that with Tom Hanks in the volleyball. <laughs> what classical Wilson. CD? <laughs> Him right. What yeah. CD did you want to talk about? Your well, Desert I Island thought, recording. You know, this, you know, a, a CD that many of us have known about for some years now was released in 2006 as Fred Hemke's Simple Gifts. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be very appropriate to talk about yeah. that disc because... Wow, you know, talk about a master player, and that's a pretty recent recording by one of the greatest classical saxophonists who ever lived. Right. And I'm trying to think if, uh, you know, our other 
greats, uh, DeLong, and the ones that are considered, you know, your your top greats. There are a lot of greats out there these days yeah. who don't get the credit they you should. Just, you so, just really made about 50 people very angry. I know, but you know what I'm talking about. It's always like um, Dr. Sinta, Dr. Rousseau, you know, Claude DeLong, yeah. Fred Hemke. They were... You know, and it was De- Daniel Defaye before them and Jean-Ray Lundex, you know. And and that's that older school, that older generation of yeah. saxophone players who were like the gods of saxophone, classical saxophone, when I was a kid. Right. And so I probably am showing you how old I am because I still think of those guys as like the gods of the saxophone. But here's like a relatively recent CD. Right. 2006, that's 2019. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> By one of these really great giants. So it's called Simple Gifts. And of course, that tune dun, da, da, dee, da, 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 yeah. is what it what several of the tunes on the CD are are based on. And boy, if you want to just hear unbelievably gorgeous saxophone playing, just a simple saxophone melody, just go get the CD just for the first track alone. He just plays the tune on solo saxophone and it's stunning. Every note is played with intention and direction just gorgeous sound, fantastic vibrato. And I think we talked about this before that the thing that I really, well, so many things that I admire and admired about Frederick Hemke, but um, when I think about his playing and I think about his vibrato, yeah. when I was a student as an undergrad versus what it became by 2006 and even before then, it's right. incredible the growth and the change. Growth is probably the wrong word. The change that he made in his playing to kind of go along with the evolution that the younger players were going through. Right. You know, he really, you know, completely changed his playing from that super fast, wide vibrato that was so yeah. popular in his younger years to something that was just less wide and a little less fast in his yeah. later years. But Always with that great singing sound. It's yeah. fantastic. And I love the repertoire choice. I mean, what's on there, it's... It's great. There's yeah. some really amazing music on this disc. And, you know, some of it's not exactly to my taste. Some, some of it's a little bit, you know, more of that kind of um, modernist atonal school, which I've done plenty of in my yeah. lifetime. And I'm not going to say anything negative about it, but it's not music that I want to, like, put on while I'm making dinner or anything yeah. like that or really sit down and listen to you know, in the car or anything like that. It's not really my cup of tea anymore, but oh my gosh, he plays it masterfully. And there's yeah. a lot of music with organ. Douglas Cleveland is playing the organ on this disc, but there's there's music by um, Kirko Riordan and I'm trying to remember some of the other composers, gorgeous stuff, Michael Johansson's Memento. Oh, and the Timothy Broge piece. It's a Musette Chacon, Forlorn, Times Telling. Fantastic, just glorious yeah. music on this disc. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed listening to it a lot. I'm his, glad. His tone is beautiful. and it's, Isn't it it's amazing? A, yeah, it's a very eclectic. Yeah, you know. oh, styles are all over the place, which is wonderful. Yeah, it starts with the quicker fun. tunes and ends with, you know, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting. I, I, I assume this is all music that, that had personal meaning to him. Absolutely, and he really championed uh, a repertoire of music for saxophone and organ. And organ, right. Throughout his life. And these pieces, I think all of the pieces with organ were written for him. Right. Yeah. That's oh, really it's cool. just fantastic. And just how that man could play a line. Yeah. And he taught that more than we talked about that before. He taught that I think more than anything in the lessons is just to blow a really focused airstream into that instrument and just 
play a musical line, really right. play a good phrase and know where each note is going. And, and he could make any melody, even if it didn't seem like a melody, sing. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, when a when a critic writes about a performance of mine or a recording of mine that, you know, Susan Fancher could make music out of anything, any style of music, uh, that is like the best compliment I've yeah. ever gotten in oh, a review absolutely. is no matter how weird the music is, she made it sing. And I got that from him for sure. Yeah. And that's what he does on this disc. No matter how weird the music is, it just really communicates and it sings. So it's great. And I think we should all strive for that. As, oh, yeah. That's the most players. important thing. And what I heard in this recording is it's him singing and making music. Yeah. And as opposed to, and we all fall victims of this trap. I have in, in not that long ago, where we play to impress our peers. Sure. We, and it's all about how fast you can play, right, higher, we, faster, louder. Where right? the industry <laughs> becomes the audience, yeah. so to speak. Where yeah. And we see this in the jazz world is so guilty of this. Yeah. Which is why there was a million tenor saxophones living in New York all trying to play faster. Yeah, and higher than the yeah, others, and yeah. we've quit making music, and we and we're just starting to try to impress other people. I did. You just don't get that impression from the CD. It's just beautiful. Oh yeah, music yeah. making. So I'll put a link in the show notes, yeah. and you never know when that FedEx plane will go down on a desert island, and you'll need a good CD. I would be very very happy for yeah. this CD. So bring the, the solar there. charger for your 1990s discman as well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I put a link in the show notes. Buy it if you haven't already. Um, yes. It's excellent. And it's interesting. The program that's on Spotify from 2000 is a little different from what's on the actual CD recording from 2006. He made some changes to the, the CD program because I was listening on Spotify. Oh, yeah. I only did the streaming. Of the disc. Yeah. But if you did the streaming of the actual yeah. disc, then then you got the, the okay. right program. It's just what that was kind of interesting. I didn't expect that. Weird. I'm not sure what the story is with that. I don't know. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyway, it's a great disc. Simple Gifts. Simple Fred Gifts. Check it out, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Sue. Yes. You working? I'm working. I'm working more than I care to be right now. It's You've time for been the recording. Worker. Uh, the working bro. You were recording, Wally. How'd it go? It went good. So Yay. I've been thinking a lot about... Um, I'm excited I've had some, to hear it. I've had some not great recording studio experiences. Oh, we all um, have. Oof. I've, no, I've had some where like, I walked away um, having spent some money and a good amount of time. And I couldn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to use what I had done. Yeah, I've not done a that good, too. Yep. Not a good it feeling. Stinks. So yep. this time I went in smart, wicked smart. Okay. And so I thought, like, let me let me codify some of these thoughts and feelings. So I just went into with my band, the Sonnenots, Wally and the Sonnenots, and Yay. we went in and recorded an album's worth of material. I'm actually very pleased thus far. Good. Not perfect. There's parts where like oh, I wish I'd slightly better chorus, you know, solo, you know, on that. Wally. But, yeah. We're human. No, no. <laughs> I aim to be what Nietzsche would have called das Ubermensch. I see how it is. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. All too human. Um, we are human. And so I want to talk about a couple of things about um, getting in the studio. And I'm sure you've had these same experiences or thoughts oh, about probably. what makes a successful um, thing. And so what, number one for me, I actually made a video on this. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Number five on the video, number one for me is choosing repertoire wisely. Now, we don't mm. always have choice over it. Sometimes you'll, right. a composer will, I've written a piece, I need it recording. Boom, boom, go in there and, right. and goodness help you. But I actually <laughs> did something smart this time. I had um, the, the people I was going to play with and on repertoire that we played live at the Eastern Music Festival beforehand. Huh, so great. I'd, I'd written some music for it and yet we played it in the weeks, in just a week beforehand, we played it three times at this, this chamber festival. Um, and that made all the difference in the world Absolutely in the, in the key. studio. Don't record music that you haven't actually played. <laughs> 
<laughs> Would you believe? I've tried it. I've done. We all have. We yeah. recorded. Go in and we're, we're going to record this piece. And then, mm-hmm. then we play it for the next two years and we're like, uh, wish I had waited to record right. it till I actually had lived with it for a while. Yeah, and that goes to the point that like when you're working on it and you play it live, you find things. Yeah, absolutely. And you should find those things out while you're not paying an hourly rate. Exactly, while you're possibly even being paid. Yeah. And you get that feedback from the audience, too. You do, mm-hmm. you know, and not just verbal feedback. While you're playing, you can feel what's working, you can feel what's not working, yeah. just in the energy in the room. And that is so critical for knowing how to play a piece. It doesn't matter what style of music. Yeah, I agree. It makes no difference. Wow, that's a great piece of advice. Another piece of advice is if you need any work on your horn, and if you're recording classical... Oh. <laughs> I know key, what noise, key noise yes. is going to be a killer. Yes. You don't realize it until you get a good ribbon microphone not that far away, and key noise can kill a session. And here's the thing. If you EQ, if you try to EQ some of the key noise out, you'll take some color out of the sound. I know yeah, some people that have yeah. unsuccessfully. Oh, yeah. I actually know some. You get some really dull-sounding recordings that way. I know one or two saxophone professors that aren't that big in names anymore, but actually tried to unbrighten their tone in the EQ. And it sounds uh, really dull and horrible. Yeah. I will. I absolutely will not mention names. But just play with a good sound. Yeah. But so key noise. <laughs> so here's the thing. So you think, all right, I'll get my horn overhauled or fixed or whatever. Get it back weeks in advance. Yes. Because oh if you God. have even one pad changed or multiple pads changed, certainly with an overtone overhaul, it settles. It it shifts. It adjusts. The 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 pads kind of find their happy home. They settle yeah. in the cups. And so don't get a horn fresh and then go into the studio. Yeah, plus you got to get used to some changes too. Mm-hmm. It might have changed the tuning slightly here or there. Oh, oh absolutely. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would say aim to get it back at least two weeks so you can play it. And then if you need to tweak, you can go in there and get the yeah. whole tweaked. Yeah, absolutely. And do, even if you're not going to do anything major, do at the very least check your horn for those big clacks and clinks and oh, things. No. I mean, a little bit of key noise, well, you know, that's part of the sound sure. of the saxophone. But geez, if you have any clanky, Rattling keys get those fixed. Jeez. Yeah, I'm, there are some good recordings out there that is, it's noticeable. Yeah, and it's not great. It's not. Well, it's not desirable. No. No. Another another tip is planning more time than you think. Ha. Um, <laughs> I have found I I can't mention the project, but I wanted to do more in the amount of time than it was should have tried. Yeah. And then as you see the clock ticking, you start getting stressed. You get stressed. And when you, you don't get play stressed, well. oh my gosh, Aww. it's like slowly learning to unplay your instrument. Um, <laughs> just horrible things when you feel stressed, like, oh, we got to get this done quick, another take, another take. And then yeah. it just, it never gets better. It takes longer than you think yeah. to get this stuff so done. So I did that this time. I, I practiced, I, we did several mornings. And so we didn't do long full days. We did great. mornings yeah. and then lunch. And it was great. And the other thing I found was after one of the days, I didn't like the mic placement. Oh. Um, we were, it, it was in a way that I was communicating very well with my jazz quartet. Where I could see them, we could hear them, but I wasn't being picked up in the room mics as much as I wanted. I see. And they were adding a lot of color and depth to the sound. So we actually changed my position in the room on day two. Ah. Uh, and I love the sound all, yeah. the, all the more. And so then we had enough time. We did retakes of the first morning. Great, and it was, because you had planned enough time. And it was all Great. the better because we were all that much more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is when you leave enough time is, and I love doing it over multiple days if possible, Yes. you can go home. So what we would do, we'd wrap the session. Um, then I would ask the engineer, can you just bounce me each yeah. session? Yeah, just the raw material. The raw, so yeah. you'll, you'll yeah. even hear your, your bad jokes and stuff in the microphone <laughs> as you're getting ready to count off. You'll hear the cursing and the crying. But just bounce a low-quality MP3. Yeah. 
And then you can listen and sing, oh man, I don't have any good solo. Oh, I never got that entrance like the yeah. way I wanted it. Yeah. And then you know if you need to go back in the next day, if you yeah. have it or not. Because yeah. I've also been pressed for time, walked out of a session, got home and like, I don't have a take. Yeah. There's no magic of editing that can give me a take I want to release into the world. Right. Um, and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. So if you can have extra time scheduled, that's yeah. a great piece and of it's, advice. You know, and you think like one more morning of three hours, that's not a huge cost in the big scheme of things. No. So I highly recommend the small. When it's sessions. worth it, if you're going to do it, do it right. There, yeah. Otherwise, forget it. Yeah. Just do a live CD then. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah that which was, would be another way. <laughs> interestingly enough, that we essentially did. Everything yeah. we were releasing is going to be mm, largely unedited. Great. It'll just be full takes. That's the best. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're leaning way more toward that in, in the classical world now, Good. too. Because, I mean, this this editing every other bar, the nonsense that we used to do. Right. No, you just can't afford to do that anymore. And, you know, people are listening largely on computers or, yeah. or on their phones. And so the age of hi-fi seems to... I mean, you I want know. good sound quality, but it doesn't seem like people are sitting there and maybe they are nitpicking every little detail. No, we want to be moved. We don't listen to like, let's see if Johnny missed a note. Yeah. We want to feel something emotionally. Yeah. And like, miss a, a, At least little, I hope. I hope a blipper or bobble doesn't ruin that. Yeah. Yeah. Next piece of advice, get out your, your smartphone or your tablet, pull up any recording app and record the program beforehand. Oh, yeah. Oh, and my gosh. Yeah. I've started doing this. So before I go into the studio, I'll actually um, create basically backing tracks of the tunes I'm going to be playing um, or some facility using like Band in the Box or I use Logic or even the iReal Tune Pro and actually playing what you're going to play before you go in yeah. the studio because then you'll feel like, oh, I, I never really sound good over this this bridge or, oh, that this section of this piece, you know, or like, you know what? My low B is never really coming out well on that piece. Yeah. So maybe those, those live performances you're doing before uh -huh. your recording session, maybe record them and listen. Cause you can it, learn so much from listening to yourself. You can learn front. so much. Oh and here's, and here's the, and I stand by this. If you can't do it on your phone in the privacy of your own home, it will not happen not in the studio. Work, no. <laughs> Everything is just going to be slightly more on edge and worse once yeah. that red light comes on. Yeah. Because the red light, it messes with our, our heads. <laughs> I've, I've seen very talented young musicians when the recording light comes on just like regress. Yeah, it's into, hard to just just tune it out and just play like you normally do. Yeah. 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 You're so, trying so hard. That's that Zen thing, right? I know. You get trying and then the so hardy hard. heart, the worse it gets. Yep. It's like, it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, those little <laughs> finger cuffs. You know, you get as a kid, the harder you pull, the worse it gets. <laughs> and one That's final funny. piece of advice before we move on to a listener question. Um be easy on yourself. Yeah. Have you ever released something where you're like this isn't perfect, but I want people to hear it? Yeah. I mean, your recordings are perfect, Sue. They're not. They are. They're not. They're annoyingly perfect. You're so nice. They're no, not. No, I'm not being... I'm not, <laughs> if they were flawed, I would just call you out right here, right now. <laughs> but I, I know some people that record and they never release it because they're too afraid of criticism. Oh, well, you know, you just have to develop a thick skin to just even be in yeah. this business at some point. You know, there's going to be haters out there all the time. I have to tell my teenager that all the time. She'll get really upset about comments on a post. And I'm like, you know, there's always going to be people hating yeah. out there. So you just can't let them keep you from doing stuff. Yeah, who Jeez, cares? They're not doing anything. They're just hating. Yeah. People follow. who are doing are not hating. No. They're too busy doing. The, the <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt would say, hey, I'm going to make it slightly less sexist, but the person in the arena. The one yeah. covered with sweat and blood. Yeah. The, we'd look to them, not the critic who's sitting comfortably in the stands. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. So release it. 
Yeah. And I say that as a reminder to myself. I have a couple of tiny little recording points that I might, I might add. So one thing I would advise is that um, try as much as possible, especially if you're playing in a group, to, to understand how your colleagues work. So, for example, if you're in a group where everybody's best take seems to be number two, three, four, or five, don't blow yourself out on take oh, one or two. Yeah. So, And it's not that you have to be really judgy with them. I mean, you could ask them to step it up a little more on take two or three, because I'm the soprano saxophonist in a yeah. quartet, right? So by take five, I'm dying, right? So I try to, to, to nail it in so take one or I two. So if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is... Steve Stusick never <laughs> plays well on the first take. You're so funny. That's, that's what I, I'm hearing. Well, I just think as a group, we tend to peak on take three. Sure. And then sometimes I've dropped best performance on take one or two, and I have learned to sort of like just not, right. just to save myself a little bit. Another thing is don't blow yourself out on the takes that are just for the sound check. Oh, yeah. Because they're not going on the CD. Yeah. They're for sound. Well, they shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. And here's another funny thing. If you've chosen a really good sound recording engineer yeah. um, who's reputable and whose who's recordings you've heard and you like, when you're doing that sound check and they ask you to come into the booth and have a listen to the sound, because they usually do that. They get everything. Mm-hmm. They get the mic placement. They're good. You play a few things and they say, okay, come on in and have a listen. Yes. Come on in and have a listen. Just be smart about it. Don't start micromanaging what the guy or gal has done. Oh, I think I need more of this or other. Oh, could it sound a little more like this or a little more like that? If you if you have a good sound recording engineer, I think basically they're looking for you to say, wow, that sounds amazing. We're good to go. Because yeah. I can't tell you how many times we've gone into the booth, we've listened, we're like, well, let's see, could we have a little more of this? Or maybe that could be a little more of that. And then they start tweaking and you make some more takes and it doesn't sound any better. And you go back and forth, you waste a lot of time. And in the end you say, uh, why don't we just go back to what you had? And that's <laughs> All 99% of the time, that's what it's been. Yeah. Now, if you're working with someone younger, someone less experienced, then they're right. counting on your ears and your, you know, your knowledge as a as an experienced musician right. for them to learn how do I record this so that the artists are happy. But honestly, I tell you, 99% of the time we come back to we should have just kept our mouths shut and said right. that was good. Because they're doing their job, right? Right. We that's should be, yeah. their job. And if they're good. They're just looking for you to check off. Right. <laughs> it's a courtesy. I'm, I'm intolerable because I've learned just enough to be really annoying. <laughs> well, you actually know a lot well, about sound. So. I know <laughs> enough to be really annoying. I'm a, I, I'm a decent amateur sound engineer, having just like learned, you right. know, autodidactic. Yeah. Yeah. But so I can be absolutely insufferable. Well, how did um, it go with your session? I mean, it was really did, good. But did they also, have the it engineer is one of my absolute best friends on the planet. Ah, so he knows so what you want. He too, does. Though. Yeah. Yeah. At the same really time, like, yeah. he'll like. Hey Ben, could you like Wally? I know what you're gonna say. Shut up. Go play your your dumb saxophone. Yeah. No, but I'm I'm really thrilled. Do you know what I'm saying though? Yeah. You, you know what I'm getting at? I'm th- yeah. Yeah, I do. And the other thing is with the quartet, is I learned this from playing in bands back in the '90s, ska bands back in the '90s. Oh, nice. Uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Is awful. That is exactly it. Yeah. So I like this. This was my session. It's Wally and the Sonnenots. Yeah. So it's my dime, my project. And so they play, and I'm the one with the headphones on yep. listening, and they don't need to worry about it. Great. And then I take them to lunch afterwards, Yay. and then we're all happy. Everybody's and happy. And then I do the stressing. Yeah. 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 Anyway, recording is really fun, but you will be surprised how you always think, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal because, you know, I could take another take. You'd be surprised how fast the time goes mm-hmm. and how tired you get. So no. 
know your stuff and get in there. Yeah. yeah. If you can play it perfectly outside, you have a chance. Of yeah. If you chance. if you can get through things twice and and choose one of those takes and have played really well, you can always like fix a spot here or there yeah. if you really need to splice something in. Yeah. Especially in classical music, if there's some some nasty little thing that you want to take and have a have an edit plan if you're doing classical music. Right. Have an edit plan in place before you go into the studio. So no, okay, we're going to record this section, we're going to record this section, section A, section B, section C, or call them one, two, whatever you want to. Right. Have that mapped out. Now, you can change things on the fly. It turns out, oh, section A is way too long. We're never going to be able to get that in one take. Let's do a, you know, right. A1 and A2 or something like that. But go in with the plan and have it marked in everybody's parts before you go in. You'd be surprised how much time, time you waste in a session going, okay, we're going to start at measure 10 and go to measure 20 right and then wally the last thing i'm going to say is no matter what the recording engineer says because young recording engineers might not realize this yet always start before your cut point yes and always play past your cut point i can't tell you how many times a young engineer has you start right here where they think they're going to use mm-hmm. and end right there, right before they think they're going to get out. And you have to play over both ends. Crossfading. You yes. have to do that for the resonance in the room. And also you'd be surprised how many times you end up doing the edit a little bit, a few beats away from where you thought you were going right. to. So always do that. I've had sessions where the engineer is like, oh no, you can start right there. And I'm like, I tell you what, I'm just going to start one bar before that. To. And I just, yeah. I just, you know, I'm a bully about it. I'm just, I'm just going to do that because I don't want to have wasted my time. Oh, I know. <laughs> and a lot of money. So anyway, there's some advice for you. Wow. <laughs> this could, yeah, we could talk about this for weeks. It's one we of my could. favorite things. Let's yeah. not. And then, then also adding in bringing a film crew and that, there's a whole different thing. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so you get some video. This I think is recording is stressful having a four-person uh, film oh, crew. Jeez. Yeah. Then you even have to have showered. That stinks. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I make everyone wear like yeah. You're right. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> We've got. Hold on. Let me open the mailbag. Uh, the Have mailbag. we got something in the mailbag? Woo-hoo! We have. All right. This, this is, is from um, Zoe. Z O E is Zoe, right? Not Zoe. 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 Right. Yeah. So Zoe. Uh, I have a question. I have two Malpies, an NEMC three-star, which I can find literally nothing about. Um, they're the kind that you find in a student instrument rental, uh, and a Vandoren A16A5. I play almost exclusively the V16 because the NEMC is always very stuffy and airy on a 2.5 reed. On a whim, I bought a box of 2.0 Rico Royal. Um, they make the NEMC mouthpiece sing with that amazing brassy jazzy quality I've been looking for, but they make HE double Hawka sticks out of the low end, which I'm already having trouble with. <laughs> now she actually writes out the full word and she doesn't write that as me. Right. I, I don't want to have to click the little box that makes an E for explicit. Right. <laughs> uh, I also can't get the same sound on the V16 with 2.0 reads. It doesn't sound better at all. Just not, oh my God, was that me? Good. Don't you love that moment where you play and you're like, was that me? Wow, yeah. Did I right? do that? Wow. Yeah. Should I start experimenting with sample read cards? You know, those little packs where you get like three or four reads. Oh, right. Or just keep practicing for now and worry about reads later knowing that the sound I'm looking for is at least possible. Hope this wasn't terribly long, but I wanted to provide as much information as possible. Thank you again. I'm honored that I'm able to learn from such amazing professional musicians. She wrote that. That's right here. I didn't say she that. She wrote that. She it's did that. in print. Oh, yeah. Zoe, you are so we, nice. You're new, our new best you friend. Made our day. Zoe yeah. from Middle of Nowhere, Arkansas. That's okay. I'm yeah. from Middle of Nowhere, Western New York. I'm from the suburbs of Atlanta, which are worse than the Middle of Nowhere. <laughs> it's Middle of Nowhere with a lot of traffic and too many chilies and Applebee's. So, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so I, I tried wow. to do a little research on this NEMC I mouthpiece. I've never heard of it. And, and because I mean, NEMC stands for New England Music Camp in my book. But anyway, <laughs> I don't I, know. I found virtually, like her. Did like, you find anything? Yeah. And when I say research, I mean, I Googled it, obviously. Well, yeah. That, uh, I could what find, else is research? I found a couple days. used ones for sale. <laughs> I could find nothing about them. They have France I've stamped on them. Ooh. Um, but I don't know what that means exactly. Huh. And but here's the thing, Zoe, because you said you had problems with the low end, uh-huh. regardless of read, I'd be a little bit weary of that mouthpiece. How yeah. do you feel? Same. Especially if you yeah. have a Van Doren that, A5. That's working. Yeah. Yeah. The A5 is, is a V16. It's a jazz line, but it yeah. sounds like you're going for that. That yeah. is a dynamite mouthpiece. The V16, that's yeah, that's a great jazz yeah. mouthpiece. Uh, yeah. And that is, I think, the exact same, maybe the A6, which is basically the same thing. Uh, Lee Konitz actually plays on that mouthpiece. Right, go. Uh, I played uh, live with... He had no idea who he was. That was a really uh, yeah. disingenuous thing. <laughs> he came to the university in which he was paid huge amounts of money, and I was in the backing band. Let right, me clarify. There you go. <laughs> I don't share the stage with Lee Konitz. Right. I'm happy to be honest about that. But That's cool that you're was, honest about that, because so was, many people say, I played with... I've shared like, the stage with... like. did not. My rule of thumb is if you call Lee Konitz and say, oh, you've played with Wally Wallace, and he says, who the blank is Wally Wallace? Then it doesn't count. It doesn't count. And he would say, who the blank is Wally Wallace? But I was sitting next to him whilst he was playing... Well, that's cool. ...on that mouthpiece, Zoe, and he sounded... Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good high quality mouthpiece. It is. Just find the reed that works on it for you. I would. I would say. And um, she's tried switching between the the orange box and the blue box. Yeah. And she had good success with the blue box. And here's the difference: you may not know, Zoe. Blue box, the Rico Royal, is a filed, a French filed reed. Yeah. And that means they're going to cut the bark further back. Right. Uh, which means that should help the low end a little bit, and right. also makes the the attack a little bit more mellow. Um. I would stick with that two and a half Rico Royal on that, on that uh, V16. That sounds like a good match. And I would yeah. work on, and then if the low one's not coming out or you're having difficulties, it's embouchure air. Yeah. But that, assuming there's nothing wrong with your V16, that right. with a two five blue box, I think you can find a lot of success. Yeah. My fear is having never seen this in EMC. I'm not sure it's not warped or. Right. Well, and it's telling that that the low end just isn't working at all. Right. And yeah. that makes me weary. I would stick with the Van Doren because it's tried and true. And if yeah. and assuming there's nothing wrong with the V16, if there's something if you can't no get a good sound on it, no it's the player. Or anything like yeah. That. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah a great sure. player will sound great on the V16. Yeah. Um and a 2.5 for and she is a beginning player. Okay. Um who switched from trumpet from back in high school. Wow, um, that is so cool. So, <laughs> I would try with that. And if all possible, and if you're having trouble um actually Feel free to take a quick clip and, and send me a video. Yeah, uh, and I'll share it with Sue, and we can we can see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's a terrific mouthpiece, and you know, just inspect it and make sure it's, it's right. doesn't have any damage to the tip or rails or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. Look, and yeah. and then make sure you can seal or read. Right. Um, and that will tell yeah. you if it's warped. And if the read seals, I think a V sixteen A five with the two and a half for a beginner who wants to learn jazz, good. such yeah. a good starting point. And yeah. from there, worry about the playing, the embouchure, the airstream, yeah. and all those other things. And make sure your saxophone's working if the low end is, you know, if you've got any <gasps> leaks, it could, could be the sax, yeah. have somebody else play I on believe it. she sent me a previous email. I believe she has a teacher now. Oh, so have your, great. So have your teacher Yeah, check. play on your horn, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, but let us know. Yeah. Well, my feeling is, and I'm sure Sue agrees, don't keep switching equipment to, to fix a problem. No. Find good, medium-of-the-road working equipment. Yeah, and fix, fix the problem. Fix yourself. Yeah. Fix yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Make yourself even better, Zoe. Yay. Yeah. So exciting. Thanks That's for writing. Excellent question. Yeah. And by the way, I am, have two quotes out. Two quotes. Two quotes out for swag. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get Saxophone Academy enamel pins with our beautiful oh, logo. How awesome would that for, be? Yeah, to send it to people with questions. So once I get something back and assuming you can afford it, Zoe, I will <laughs> ship one to Arkansas. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, because I finally have time to get on that because it's summer. Yeah, yeah. It's summer. Summer is great. I know. I love summer. I do too. I, I say that I love summer because all the time with my kids, but yeah, I mean it's too hot. I don't like that, but I mean. <laughs> yeah, and I have no time to practice anymore because my well, kids are home for summer. Yeah, I practice less in the summer, which is weird because you'd think I'd practice more. The students should be practicing more. Yeah, unless so, they're working jobs. So if you're listening, jobs. if you're listening, turn this off now <laughs> and go practice. And dear students, hopefully you're inspired. <laughs> eat that frog. Yeah. So first thing in yeah, the morning. Eat that don't frog. wait. Eat that. Start with the thing you hate. Get it over with and enjoy your practice session. Wally! Good seeing you. Great to see you. See you in a couple weeks, everyone. You bet. Bye. Bye.